again to Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Glory to God. Once again, we've been studying the subject of managing your family. Now, understand I'm giving you all these things, amen, and you got to do them. Amen. You got to do them. Tell your neighbor you got to do them. So you're getting all this stuff. Come on, say amen, somebody. You're getting all this stuff so you don't have to go to a financial advisor or financial counselor and pay them thousands of dollars to learn how to handle your own money. And once again, when God put the first family together, he also put together the first business. The Bible said they became one flesh. Amen. And here in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, it tells us again, be not what? Be not what? Slothful and busy. Wake them two teenagers up back there and that one over there. Have them sit up in their seat. You didn't come to sleep, you came to church. Romans 12, 11 once again says, be not what? Slothful and business. We know the word slothful means slow, it means lazy. And then it says, be fervent in what? Spirit, doing what? Serving the Lord. And once again, you can't serve the Lord properly if you don't have your business together. Amen. Amen. Once again, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verse 5. 2 Chronicles chapter 31, verse 5. They need this just as much as you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. So they get out your pocket when they get older. Come on. And you ain't raising no 30 and 45-year-old kids still paying their bills. Because <laughs> that's what we have in this day and time. Second Chronicles 31, verse 5. Once again, it says, And as soon as the commandment came abroad, the children of Israel brought in what? In abundance, the what? First fruits of corn, wine, and oil, and honey, and all the what? Increased of the field, and the what? Tide of all things brought them how? Abundantly. Once again, not according to the scripture, first fruit and the tide are the same thing. They're the what? Same thing. Turn to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. First fruit and the tide are the same thing. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. We know from last week that the subject of first fruit has a lot to do with the family business. Let me say it again. It has a lot to do with the family business. Here in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 1 it says, For this Melchizedek, king of what? Salem. We know Salem is Jerusalem. And king means he's civil authority. So this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the what? Of the most high God. So he's also spiritual authority. Amen. It says, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, and he did what? And he did what? And he blessed him. Once again, notice what Melchizedek did. He pronounced the blessing on Abraham. He pronounced the what? Blessing on Abraham. And the Bible says Abraham was blessed in all things until the day he died. Why? The priest of the Most High God pronounced the blessing. 
And understand this once again, everything from dawn of time since creation of man, God has, been, God has handled through the pronouncement of the blessing. Come on, thank God for the blessing. Come on, say thank God for the blessing. And once again, we know the word bless is not just some religious word. Because people in the Old Testament, they understood what the blessing meant. Amen. And they covered it for the blessing. Look at verse 2. It says, to whom also Abram did what? Gave a tenth part of all, or first fruit of all, first being interpretation, king of what? Righteousness. And after that, also king of what? Salem, which is king of peace. Go down to verse 4 again. It says, now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave what? Gave the tenth of the what? Spoils. Verse 6. But he whose descent is not counted from them received what? Tithes of Abraham. It says, blessed him that had the promises. Did what? Blessed him that had the promises. See, the one that had the promises we know was Abraham. Remember, Abraham believed in the blessing. Look at verse 7. And it says, without all contradiction, the last is what? Blessed, somebody say bless. The less is blessed of the better. See, the better was the what? The priest of the most high God, blessing the less. Who was who? Abraham. So the less was, the, was blessing the better. Or the less was blessed of the better. The less was what? Blessed of the better. Blessed with what? Blessed with the blessing. Blessed with the anointing. Somebody say anointing. Come on, the pronouncement of the word of God over his life, that's what he's blessed with. See, if Abraham believed that, what happened? He would have it manifest in his life. So Abraham had to believe that he was blessed when that pronouncement was made. Are you with me out there? Because why? This is the priest of the most high God. Look at verse 8. It says, and here men that die, what? Receive tithe. Come on, once again, what testament is this? This is what? New Testament, right? Amen. This is not under the law. And this is this what? This is after the law, right? Amen. It says, and here men that die receive tithes. Here men that die receive tithes. But there he what? Receiveth them of whom it is what? It is witness that he what? That he liveth. Who is it? Once again, that we are still witnessing before other people that he is not dead, but he's alive. What's his name? What's his name? In other words, Jesus is the recipient of the tithe. Amen. Let me say it again. Jesus is the what? Recipient of the tithe. Look at verse 9. And as I may say, or may so say, Levi also who what? Received tithe, paid tithes in what? Abraham. Go down to verse 14. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of what? Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood, and it is yet far more evident for that after the what? Similitude of Melchizedek, there arises a what? There arises what? Another priest. Now, there's Melchizedek, and then there's going to arise what? Another priest after his kind or after his order. What did Melchizedek do? Melchizedek did what? He received the tide and he dispensed the blessing. He did what? Received the tithe. He what? Dispensed the blessing. 
But he says there's another priest who's made at the, after the similitude of Melchizedek who receives the tithe and then pronounces the blessing. Amen. Verse 16. Who is made not after the law of what? Carnal commandment, but after what? After the power of, a, of an endless life. Whoever this priest is has eternal life. And this priest never dies. Verse 17, for he testifieth that thou art a what? Priest forever after the what? After the order of Melchizedek. And that's where Psalms 110.4 comes, comes into play. That's where he got it from. Amen. This was God the Father saying. He was saying this about Jesus Christ. Come on, say amen, somebody. He was saying, Jesus, you are made high priest after the order of who? Melchizedek. In other words, you receive the tithes and you dispense the blessing. You receive the tithe and you what? Dispense a blessing. You pronounce the blessing and people will be blessed all the days of their life if they believe in what you said. And that's the key. If you believe in what he says. Jesus is our high priest today, folks. He is the high priest today. Well, guess what? Once again, we're going to get a little more into it. When people steal the tide, they steal from Jesus. That's just how serious it is. And because they steal from Jesus, what do they do? They cut off the blessing. Come on, he's the dispenser of the what? Blessing. If you're stealing from him, Guess what? He's not pronouncing the blessing upon you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Turn to Malachi 3.8. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. What's it say here? Would a man what? Will a man rob God? He said, yet you are what? Rob me, but you sin. Wherein have we robbed thee? What did he say? And tithes and offering. See, the tithe was already set at 10%. But the offering was up to you. Come on, say amen, somebody. But the tithe belonged to the high priest. And he goes on to say, because of that, you are what? Verse 9, you are what? Cursed with a what? Cursed, for you are what? Robbed me, even this whole nation, What's it say in verse 10? Bring you what? Some of the tithe. All the tithe into the what? Storehouse that there may be what? Meet in my house and do what? Prove me now, he will say the Lord of hosts, if I will not what? Open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a what? Blessing that there should not be what? Room enough for you to receive. Are you listening to me out here? Go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. He says, bring you what? All the tithes into the what? Storehouse, that there may be what? Meat in my house. He says, prove me. Put me to the test. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a what? Blessing. Once again, tithe and the blessing. Tithe and the what? Blessing. Where there will not be room enough for you to receive. Who's saying this? God is saying this. Genesis 2.16. The reason we're going over this is because what people do, 
amen, is when they recognize that they're in trouble. Or even when they're trying to clean themselves up, what do they do? The first thing they do is they start robbing God. Which is something you never do. Ever, ever, ever. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Stealing from God is not worth losing your blessing. Tell your neighbor, it's not worth it, folks. It's not worth it. Have you found Genesis 2.16 yet? As we look at this, you'll find the first sin was the theft of the tithe. The first sin was the theft of the tithe. Verse 16. It said, The Lord commanded man, the man saying what? Of every tree of the garden thou mayest what? Freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt what? Surely what? God. So God said, here's the garden of Eden. Now we know the garden of Eden was not the whole planet at that time. Come on. The Garden of Eden was located primarily right now, if we look on a map right now, it was located primarily in the region of what we call Iraq. That's where the Garden of Eden was. Come on, say amen, somebody. So God placed inside the man life as God has it. God placed inside the man life as what? God has it. See, the blessing was in there. And that man's job was to expand that Garden of Eden all over the rest of the world through the blessing. Let me say that again. The blessing was in man. Come on, say amen, somebody. And that man's job was to expand that Garden of Eden all over the rest of the world through the what? Through the what? But God told him. Now, in the middle of this garden... There's a tree that you are not to touch. Why? God said, this tree is mine. Everything else you see is yours. I mean, think about it. Everything else you see is yours. Everything else. But this one tree, tree, is mine. Everything else is yours. Now, in the middle of this garden, there's a tree. Adam, you are not to what? Touch. You're not to what? And by the way, listen to me now. If he had not touched it, it's not like the Lord wouldn't have allowed him to eventually pick from that tree. Let me say it again. If he had not touched it, it's not like the Lord wouldn't have allowed him to eventually to pick from the tree. He would have. Tell your neighbor, he would have. But first of all, the tree wasn't ripe yet. Do you hear me? It wasn't ripe yet. But God would have let him pick from that tree to do what? So when he picks from that tree, he can offer it to him as seed. Why? God is the one that gives you the seed. Keep a marker there and go to 2 Corinthians 9.10. Keep a marker there. He would have 
let him pick from that tree when that tree was ripe. Why? So he can offer it to him as a seed. As what? As seed. Why? God is the one that gives you what? The seed. 2 Corinthians 9.10. What's it say here? He that ministers seed to the what? Sower. Who ministers the seed? God. God's the one that gives you seed. He said, well, both minister bread for your food and do what? Multiply your seed that you're what? That you have what? Sown and increase the fruits of your what? Righteousness. So God is the one who gives seed. So eventually he would have told that man, you can take this now. Take it. Now I want you to offer it up to me and it will be seed. And guess what? From more seed planted comes more harvest. Anybody getting me in here? From more seed planted comes what? More harvest. Why? Because that's the way God is. See what God does? God gives you something and lets you plant it, lets you get the return off of it. Now he gave it to you in the first place. And what happens, you just keep the cycle of return and blessing coming. Return and blessing coming. Even in Malachi, he says, you keep the 90% and give me the 10%. That's a good deal. And then what? And then he returns it back to you from the storehouse. In the ministry of the word and other ministry, spirit, other ministry spiritually. Come on, say amen, somebody. In other words, God still spends that 10% you give him. He still spends it all on you. But that was the first sin. The love of money. Come on. In fact, go to Genesis 3.1. In Genesis 3.1, see, Satan understands how powerful this is. He understands how powerful this is. Genesis 3.1, what's it say here? Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yeah, has God said? Notice he said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now she found out about it from her husband. She wasn't around when the Lord said that to her husband. She wasn't even there yet. Her body was not even created yet. See, she was created a couple chapters, a couple verses later. So what happened? Satan comes along and said, you. He didn't say, y'all. He said, you. Because why? Satan is into the dividing business. See, he wants to divide you and your family. That's why the word says, that's why the word says, you need to operate financially in a singular direction. Let me say it again. You need to operate financially in a singular direction. That's why you need as a company shared goals and a shared vision. Oh, I'm getting a little again, lower and lower. That's why you must operate as a team together. That means you have to talk about that. Come on, say amen, somebody. That means you have to come into agreement 
and stick to your agreement in your house and not do something because you feel like it or you feel you deserve it. The question is, in the household, has it been agreed upon? Boy, these eight minutes are getting lower and lower. <laughs> they can't tell me what to do with my money. The problem lies when you start believing it's my money. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Listen to me closely. It's never your money. It's always and will always be our money. Our money. You may be the steward, but it's never just your money. Just because you're making it doesn't make it solely yours. It's the family business. Just because you make more than him or he makes more than you doesn't make it yours. It's always ours. And when you start saying my money, you've already crossed the line. And that's what couples do. We already got into that division. Well, this is my money. Then we say, you owe me money. I owe myself. Because we won. Hey, my That means there's no power agreement taking place in that family. And Satan is having a field day. Come on, say amen, somebody. Ladies, that man has every right to restrain your spending. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> he has every right. <laughs> Need to get some people some water. We need to pass our water here or something. <laughs> Listen, that woman has every right to get in with you about that money. And listen, ladies, I don't care if your mama told you, just in case you get divorced, you put some money aside. You know, you know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Mama said, you better have a little insurance over here, just in case he start acting a fool. <laughs> What's that mean? That means you're already believing for a marriage breakup. Because you are going to harvest that seed. Oh, hallelujah. But you see here, Satan came right at the first small business. That first family right at the top tried to split them. Come on, say amen, somebody. He said, yet yeah, God said, you should not eat of the tree of the garden. And a woman said unto the servant, we. Not ye, she said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has what? Said. Well, she wasn't there when he said it, so who told her? Adam. Who? Who? 
So listen. If anybody's supposed to hear from God, it's supposed to be him. Who told her? Where Adam get it from? So if anybody's supposed to hear from God, it's supposed to be what? Listen, if he's going to be the head of the union, then he's supposed to go to God more than anybody else and hear from God more than anybody else in the family. Not lead the woman to do all the pray. Why? Because men think the women are supposed to do all the child rearing. And nowadays they believe the woman is supposed to make all the money while you put your feet up and say, pass me the remote control. <laughs> then the woman's supposed to cook the food and serve you and never let you forget that you're the man. mama under the sheets that ain't gonna happen tell you never that ain't gonna happen but let's go on the other side of this let's go on the other side you know I'm an equal opportunity employer <laughs> the other side of that come on say amen somebody if he takes care of the children the way he's supposed to and he treats you like a queen and he provides for you big time, he shouldn't want for nothing. There should be some running after him. And all the brothers say. <laughs> so she says and continues to say, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you what? Die. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. What's he doing? He's still trying to divide. Money is the number one reason why people fight. The love of it is the root of evil. The love of it. Come on, say amen, somebody. Verse 5 said, And God, and it says, For God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be what? Open, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw, when the woman what? Saw that the tree was good for, for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. Remember, we talked about the lust of the eyes. And women like pretty stuff. And it said, with presence in the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she did what? She took the fruit thereof and did what? Eat and gave also to her stupid husband with her. <laughs> and he, like a dummy, did eat. <laughs> so what happened? So he didn't. He didn't. He didn't exercise his authority as a man. But listen, and it cost him his family, and he put his family under the curse. He did it. 
He did it. He did it. He put his family under the curse. Oh, come on, say amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Turn to Deuteronomy 28, 15. Deuteronomy, chapter 28, 15. 28, verse 15. See, the man put the family under the curse, not the woman. So there's the blessing and there's the curse. Now, the question is, why should you be following what I'm teaching these last six weeks? I'm talking about you should get the CDs, dissect those CDs, devise a plan on how to deal with those, those CDs. Come on, say amen, somebody. And then implement them into your life. Because why? Because if you do what I'm telling you to do, you eventually come to me one day, come on, and tell me how blessed your life has been ever since. Now, it's no credit to me. I'm just saying what God said. Amen? You don't want to be under the curse because why? You're stealing God's money. Don't be under the curse because you're stealing God's money. You have no right to decide about it because why? It don't belong to you. Say amen, somebody. Just like the tree didn't belong to Adam and that's what got them in trouble. Deuteronomy 28, 15. But it shall come to pass if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to what? to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day that all these what? All these curses shall come upon thee and what? Overtake thee. Cursed shalt thou be in the city and cursed shalt thou be in the field. Come on, that's constant cursing folks. Verse 17, cursed shall be in thy basket and in thy store. That's poverty. Verse 18, Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land and the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy, of thy sheep. Your children will go crazy. Cursed shall I be when thou cometh in and cursed shall I be when thou goeth out. The Lord shall send upon thee curses, vexation, and rebuke and all that thou setteth thy hand unto for to do until thou be destroyed, until thou perish quickly because of the wickedness of thy doings. Wherefore thou hast forsaken me. And the Lord shall smite thee, in verse 22, the Lord shall smite thee with consumption, with fever, and with inflammation, and with extreme burning, and with the sword, and with blasting, with mildew, and they shall pursue, they shall pursue thee until thou perish, that sickness and disease. Verse 24, and the Lord shall make, thy, make the rain of thy land powder and dust from heaven shall come down upon thee until thou be what? Destroyed. In other words, that's no growth. Verse 17, and the Lord will smite thee with the bots of Egypt and with, verse 27, with the bots of Egypt and emeralds and with the scab and with the itch, whereof thou cannot be healed, more sickness and disease. Look at verse 38. And thou shalt carry much seed out of the field, and thou shalt gather but in little, for the locusts shall consume it. In other words, you're working really hard, but you're not seeing any results. All of that is the curse, folks. You need to read all of that in Deuteronomy 28. See, the blessing is what should be. It should be. And curse is what, you, what will happen if you don't follow what we're teaching. Hello. Write these down. 
This is the way your family should be ordered. Write these down. Nobody has a photographic memory in this room that well. <laughs> Number one, this is how your family should be ordered. One to one, 10% of everything you make first goes to God. I don't care if you pick up a dollar off the street. Do you hear me? Tide and then give your offering. We know the tide is 10%. No, tide is 10%. It's already set. And the offering is up to you. It's what you hear God tells you to give. Number one is what? 10%. Number two, then you should be setting aside an account of savings for yourself. After your tithes and offerings, set aside savings. I recommend 10%. That's not Bible, but you can do 10%, but recognize something. The point I'm making is every dime, a dollar, every time a dollar hits your pocket or hits your hand, some of it should be going into a savings. It should not be spent. Come on. See, you should have an opportunity. Listen, you should have an opportunity fund. Somebody say opportunity fund. What's that? If an opportunity comes up, you should have some money set aside to take advantage of it. Don't you know there was more money made during the Great Depression than any time in American history? Why? People who were in debt were jumping out of windows. But those who saved their money were buying things for less than nothing. I'm preaching good in here. So every time you get paid, you give God his money and you give yourself some money. When I was a financial planner, the first thing we used to tell people, pay yourself first. That's when I was a financial planner. Now it's pay God first, then you pay yourself first. (laughs) And listen, if you're single in here and you marry someone who doesn't have that much sense to do that and you marry them anyway, that's telling me you're not very bright. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Especially now that you've been taught. See, before you didn't know, but now that you know and you, got, and you go out there and you marry someone that don't tithe and you marry someone that don't save money, something is wrong with you. I ain't get a big amen out there. Number three, if you have children or even, or, or even, even think you're going to have children, Start establishing a fund for them now. Establish a fund for them now. Put money aside. Come on, have you noticed I haven't said anything about buying anything yet? Come on. Number four, pay Uncle Sam. Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. You don't want to be in trouble with Uncle Sam. Pay your taxes. Now listen to me closely. Now after these things, God, yourself, 
children, Uncle Sam. You got that? God, yourself, children, Uncle Sam. Now we look at how much money we have left. And this is where we make decisions about a house, car, clothes, vacation, and anything else. What most people do is they look at their W-2s. And if your W-2 says, well, you made $50,000, then they make their decisions off the $50,000. So the realtor comes to you or the car dealer comes to you and they base their decision to give you the loan off the $50,000 that's on your W-2. And what you're doing is operating off 50, but 50 is not what you have. <laughs> if nobody else, Uncle Sam makes your 50 not what you got. 50 is not what you have. So that means you need to calculate what the real number is. Find out what the real, is this making sense to anybody? Find out what the real number is, what you get in a year, and if you're going to use debt and buy a house, we said you should pay it off in seven to ten years. That means you should already have figured out this, come on, you figure this out, what I have to do in order to get this thing paid off in seven to ten years with what you have left. On the money we're talking about, that's how you make the decision of purchasing that car. You don't go by your W-2. The bank's going to go by that W-2, but they don't know the things that you got to pay. And so you are happy. They approved the loan, and you ain't even got the money because you ain't even calculated. And you'll find out, if you do this, you'll find out you don't have the money you thought you had. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Because now you're finding out the truth. Amen. You find out and base your decision on whether to buy that house, whether to buy that car, on the number you have left after you've done what you're supposed to do. Hello. Don't get quiet on me now. And what happened is you'll get to the place where the enemy, where when the enemy does hit you, you can say, that's all right. Because I got this. I got this over here to handle what he hit me with. Come on, say amen, somebody. In other words, you can't be knocked out of the game by one blow of the enemy. And when an opportunity comes, you can jump on that opportunity and get richer. There's a reason why the rich get richer. Because they have something to get rich with. Amen. And every person in America can be rich following God's principles. Now, before we close, go to 1 Timothy 6.17. This is something we got to deal with in the natural. 1 Timothy 6, 17. Because this is where a lot of people get in trouble. Notice what it says here. 
Charge them that are what? Rich in this world that you be not, that they be not what? High-minded, nor what? Trust in uncertain riches, but in the what? Living God who giveth what? Who giveth us richly all things to what? Enjoy. That they do what? Good, and they be rich in good works, ready to what? Distribute, willing to communicate, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold to what? Unto eternal life. Now go over to Matthew 22, 37. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. What's it say here? Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt what? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy what? Heart and with all thy what? Soul and all thy what? Mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto, Thou shalt what? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love thy what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law, or God's teaching and instruction, and the prophets. Now, we've been looking at the natural side of what the scriptures have to say about handling your family business. Your household, once again, is a small business. And God's word has a lot to say about that, amen, and we spent weeks discussing that. And there's one more point I need to make up on the natural side, talk about the natural side, and we're going to look at the spiritual side next week. But turn to Luke chapter 6, verse 35. There's one more point we need to make on the natural side. Of handling your family business. Luke chapter 6 verse 35. Come on, are you getting anything out of this yet? Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 6 verse 35. Here Jesus is speaking. And he says what? Now read it slowly now. Love ye your enemies. And do good. And lend. Stop. Stop right there. He says, love ye your enemies and do good and lend. <laughs> and do what? How many know you can't lend what you don't have? So you have to do the principles we talked about, amen, in the word of God. So you can have, so that you can have something to lend. He says what? He says lend. Listen now, read it slowly now. He says lend, hoping nothing again, and your reward shall be great, and you shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. He says lend, hoping nothing. Again, and we see this all the time in a natural, where people lend money to other people. Here's a rule you must always follow if you want to lend money to other people. This is a rule. Tell your neighbor, this is a rule. Are you ready for this rule? The rule is, 
never expected back. Never expected back. Especially if you're going to lend money to your friends, family, or anybody else. See, you got to understand, if you're going to lend money, count it as gone. Now, if it comes back, great. But if it don't, you, weren't, you wasn't expecting it back anyway. Because well, that's what Jesus just said. Oh, hallelujah. Now, on the other hand, if you're the person who made the commitment that you're going to borrow X amount of money from someone, and then you say you're going to pay them back. Well, the word, word, God, word God tells us here, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If we want somebody doing that to us, that is not paying us back. So if you've been receiving money and giving expectation to people that you're going to pay it back, then you have an obligation to your word. Let me say it again. You have an obligation to your what? To your word. I don't care if you're talking about a business or if you're talking about an individual. You have a, you have a responsibility to do right by others. Oh, come on now. But when it comes to the subject of handling your money, if you're going to lend to people, if you're going to lend to people, then you should not expect it back. Amen. That's mentally the way you have to approach this, psychologically the way you have to approach this, and this is emotionally the way you have to approach this. Because I'm preaching good in here. And if you do that, you'll be all right. Now listen to me now. Now since you count that as being gone... then you wouldn't lend someone your last dime. What happened is you would have done the savings thing we've been talking about and you would have counted it as gone. Come on. See, the reason this needs to be brought up is because why? This is a major reason for contention and strife and Satan loves strife. Why? He knows you, once you get outside of walking in the love of God, your faith stops working, and everything related to your faith stops working. Why? You'll walk down the street, and you'll see that person owes you money. And your confidence will change. <laughs> oh, I'm preaching good. Or if you're the one that owes the money, you be ducking and diving because <laughs> you don't want to see their face because you know they owe, you owe the money and you start feeling guilty that I didn't pay them back. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, if you get into strife, 
You get into un unforgiveness. And so you get into warfare with someone, amen, and God said, listen, I am not going to allow that. Come on. Once again, we found out that the love of money is the root of all evil. It didn't say money was evil. It said what? The love of money. The love of money is the root of all evil. So you cannot and you should not allow yourself to get outside God's ways because of money. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. So he's telling you how to approach this. You approach this expecting nothing back. I'm not getting a lot of amens here. <laughs> you approach this expecting what? Nothing back. That means you never loan someone money that you need for yourself or your family. Now, if you're the person, come on, say amen, somebody. If you're the person that's requesting a loan and you receive it, you should walk in love with your brother. Meaning, you should do what you want, what you would want them to do to you. Say it again. You should do what you would want them to do to you. In other words, you should pay it all back. You should do what? Pay it all back, whatever the amount is. Come on, if you don't have it all, make, make, some, make some arrangements. Make some arrangements with that business or that person to pay them something in good faith until you pay it all back. Come on, say amen, somebody. Don't just say, well, they understand, hallelujah. That's not walking in love. And really, you just stole from that person. They didn't give it. You just stole from them because God says you're not walking in love. You do whatever it takes to pay them back. I don't care if you give them a dollar. That's showing them in good faith that you are trying to do something. So you got them paying you back, and the other one said, okay, if I get a dollar, it's fine. If I don't get a dollar, fine. My heart's right now. I'm keeping my heart right. Because why? I got too many things I'm believing God for. And I can't afford stripe to get in my heart because I'm looking at you angry because you didn't pay me my money. Oh, I'm preaching good. Enough. That's why we don't believe in bankruptcy. It's not scriptural. But let me tell you why. Because someone has paid the price. Someone has made an investment. Someone made the deal. Someone sold you a product. And someone, some, and someone is due a return on their product. Someone invested time, money, energy, labor, capital, and all that. Come on, say amen, somebody. And bankruptcy means there's someone who's going to have to pay for it. See, you may go into bankruptcy, but somebody else is paying your bill. Oh, come on. It's coming out of the pocket of someone else. And if you don't pay it back, you stole from that person. And listen, because the government allows you to do something doesn't mean that it's right. Oh, God. The government allows you to take the life of your unborn child. But that doesn't make it right. Just because they allow it. Come on, say amen, somebody. So even if you use the vehicle, even if you use the vehicle of bankruptcy 
chapter 11, chapter 7, whatever you want to call it. If you get involved with bankruptcy in a bankruptcy situation, your thought ought to be, I'm still going to pay back every last dime. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Not thinking, oh, I just wiped out that debt, so I'm free. Come on, say amen, somebody. See, you may have some breathing room, but your intent and your action should be that I won't rest until I give back to that individual every dime that is due them. Why? Because that's only right. I'm preaching good in here. Now, if you're a business owner and you sell on that table and that chair and that's your business, that's how you feed your family. Come on, that's how you feed your family and your children. Come on, say amen, somebody. And see, for them not to pay you and take it from you after all the work, all the planning, all the overhead, all the inventory and taxes and everything you have paid, I guarantee you, if you were the person on the other end, you would want them to pay you back. Listen, there's no free lunch. And it's not right to rip other people off just because it's legal to do so. Loaning money, even to church members, has gotten so much strife in the church. Because there are people that prey on people in the church that have money. And I'm telling you right now, if you loan somebody money, don't loan somebody money the money that you're going to need. And if you loan on money, don't expect it back. Don't expect it back. Say that, everybody say it. Why? That keeps you walking in love. And it keeps your faith active. Come on, say amen, somebody. Let's lift your hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord. Glory to your name, Lord. I mean, I have seen people leave the church because somebody in the church borrowed money from them, then pay them back. And so, because that person didn't pay them back, it hurt them so much. They left the church. Left the church. Because they didn't know this rule. Don't expect it back. You're still dealing with human beings in here. <laughs> They're human. Glory to God. Amen. And the love of money has a tendency to make them do some dumb things. <laughs> so the key is, I got to protect my heart. As a matter of fact, if you're going to borrow some money or you're going to be the lender, you say, well, let me pray about it first. Let me say it again. Let me pray about it first. And if God says it's okay, then I will loan you the money. Because I know if I loan you the money, I'm going to count it as seed. 
I'm not looking for you. I'm looking for the return I'm going to get from God. But if you loan money just because you feel sorry for them, you in trouble because you're going to expect that money back. <laughs> and then you're going to get outside your love walk. And then you're going to believe, believe in God for something in a health issue. Don't realize faith is attached to everything in your life. And not realizing because you have the animosity towards that one person, I can't get my healing. I can't get my breakthrough in this area over here. And I'm not even equal, and I'm not, I'm not, even, I'm not even tying it to that thing back there, but it's tied to it. Amen? It's tied to it. Faith works by that, is, that, that works both ways. If I, if I borrow money from somebody, my, that means my love is not active if I'm not going to pay them back. I'm not even going to try to pay them back. Now, I'm believing God for all these things and all this stuff, but in my heart, I know I'm wrong. Your heart will condemn you. And when your heart's condemned, you don't have faith in God because you want to, I wonder if God's going to answer me today because I know I owe this person money and I ain't even tried to pay them back. Come on, y'all. We got to get this straight. These things have to be taught. Because so many people have been hurt in this area. Are you with me out there? They've been hurt in this area. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, you know you've been hurt in this area I want you to stand to your feet God want me to pray for you come on don't be trying to be shy if you've been hurt in this area come on you've been hurt in this area come on stand to your feet you've been hurt in this area hallelujah 